0: Hey there, my name is Linda Monaghan, and it is my mission to help you grow your business, improve your life, and find your calm, whatever that may be. Welcome to the Corporate to Calm podcast, where you learn from their experience.
1: Hey there, you are very welcome to today's episode of Corporate to Calm. I am speaking with Neve Hannon from nevehannon.com. Neve Niamh is a counselor moved to a being coach who is now in a space where she is delivering conflict resolution training mentorship so many insights to corporates it's phenomenal the amount of information that Neve has shared today whether you are an entrepreneur or whether you are finding it really really difficult in a corporate environment there is so much insight here for you, and I've learned so much from my chat with Neve Hannon on her journey from corporate to CAM. Hey there, you're very welcome to today's episode of Corporate to CAM, where I am speaking to Neve Hannon. Neve is a life coach, and she is here to tell us all about her journey from corporate to CAM. So, Neve, please introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about you.
2: Yeah. Hi, everybody. And thanks so much for inviting me onto your podcast, Linda. Um so my background is I'm a chartered psychologist and a professional coach. Um so I would have been a therapist for 20 years. Um, I had a private practice for a lot of that time inside Dublin. I worked with teenagers and parents and adults. Um and then I closed up shop in twenty nineteen because at that stage I had literally, you know, been working with depression and anxiety and it so on for twenty years. So I, I wanted to kind of start out with something new. So I I retrained in coaching. Um, I wanted to have a very clear boundary really between the counselling and coaching because I don't offer counselling anymore. Um, And of course, by the time I finished, COVID happened and lockdowns happened. Um, So I went from working 100% in person to 100% from home. Now, alongside the one-to-one work when I was counselling, I had always done other works. I'd been doing corporate work as well since about 2004, where I was particularly in the well-being space, lots of different talks and workshops, lunch and learns, trainings for organisations, um, and and that that continued through COVID as well. But what I launched, um, I suppose. I, I i started working particularly with women in leadership in twenty twenty um and and for the last few years um and was running programs offering programs group programs um and and now i'm i'm doing something new <laughs> so more change um ever evolving so- <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's it, isn't it? You have to keep evolving and, and, and growing and learning. So last year I was approached some uh, a particular lady heard me on a podcast, actually, or uh, LinkedIn Live um, on International Women's Day. And whatever I said, um just hits hit the bell for her so she got in contact with me and told me about her process so her name is dr lola Gershfeld and she's based in california and i've been actually training and working with her since um, so she brings what's called emotional connection Strategy. Um, so her website is emcleaders.com, mm-hmm. and she has books written, she has all the research done, she has an advisory board, she, you know, she has a, a lot of experience and a lot of work put into creating this process, really, which is like a step by step roadmap for businesses, for companies, really, to help build and strengthen relationships. Mm-hmm. So In a nutshell, now, Linda, what I offer is I help companies master the art of relationships so that they can spend less time focusing on the people issues and more time
1: focusing on the real work.
0: Um, Interesting. And, and, you
1: know, you you mentioned creating the boundaries between your previous life and and your, your new life as a coach why was that important like what 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 was the driving factor behind that like tell me about the difference of those two
0: areas
2: yeah yeah so I mean it it's not like there's this clear wall between the two mm-hmm. um. but I suppose the easiest way to explain it is that usually when people go to counseling they they're kind of feeling like they're in a minus so they may ha- be struggling with anxiety they may be struggling with depression or stress there may be something that's you know some trauma in their past that's unresolved so very often it's you know reducing the symptoms and helping them to feel normal again you're trying to just get them out of a bad place and get them to a place where they can you know go back out into the world and feel like you know okay I'm, I'm okay in myself now um people come in in a different place in coaching. They're usually at that kind of ground zero to start with and you're bringing them up into the plus. So coaching is more goal-oriented. I mean, you could say the goal of counselling is to help people to feel well again, but Mm -hmm. very often you have to go into the pain in counselling in order to come out the other side, particularly where there's any kind of trauma. You may have to sit and not make progress for a while. Um, Whereas in coaching, in every session you need to be making progress
1: oh that's and that's such a good way of explaining it and that kind of leads me on to do you ever experience a situation obviously because of your your own history where you're like okay this person isn't ready for coaching because you know coaching isn't the healing space either because you're privy to that information you recognize the size which i'm sure. Many coaches do. I I don't mean just um, exclusively to you. Do you ever kind of have to go, I think you need to do more work rather than be in this space? Or can you help them? Like, does the boundary ever get muddied?
2: yeah it's it's an interesting question like i haven't had to refer somebody on although i definitely have had people who you know who come to me with that question i'm not sure whether i need counseling or whether i need coaching and so you know i help them to work that out and they may go the coach the counseling route with somebody else um or they may go the coaching route depending on you know the outcome of that conversation mm-hmm. so that's something that we would try and get clear on before they ever start into yeah. the coaching contract with me um and 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 sometimes people recommend, you know, people to me particularly for that because they're not sure which way they should go. Yeah. Um, and it's like, OK, well, I know both and I can handle both. I suppose my job is to create a safe space and the type of coaching that I offer is going under the lid a little, which is can be different for some people if they're used to maybe just working with a business coach or something okay. that's very transactional, you know, and skills based I'm interested in who you are as a person and doing the inner work, but it's still not counselling. We're not problem oriented. We're not going like back, you know? Um, And, and I suppose the the other thing about like, if you're operating from counselling, it's like, okay, you you might tell your story and you pick up from that the next day. And you might go deeper into some parts of it with coaching each session. It's, you know, I'm ICF qualified international coaching federation. So there's a format really. And it is, you know, what's your focus for today? Where would you like to get to by the end of our session? So it could be totally unrelated to what happened last time, but you're still, the thread is the overarching goals. Are we still, you know, making progress on your overarching goals?
0: And
1: corporate calm, it kind of means so many, I get that question so much. I, I, I kind of picked the name um, about four years ago because of like as as we do with most of our business because of my journey and then people are like what does it mean and I'm like it means whatever you want it to be what does it mean to you because you've kind of uh, we, we've talked about the evolution from counselling to coaching and now back into kind of a corporate scenario where do you find your calm within is it about creating balance for you and you, you mentioned that dealing with maybe anxiety and depression for 20 years, you wanted to draw a line in that and then move on. Was it was it to create a more positive space for you, or what, what does corporate calm mean to you?
2: I guess for, for for me, the the corporate to calm idea is I it could be two things really, but that you know so often people come and look for help, whether it's coaching or counseling because they feel trapped in the rat race they yeah. feel like their life is not their own they're you know running at speed um they're you know whether they you know or particularly maybe when they have kids then they're just like passing ships kind of you know and and mm-hmm. seeing the kids took them into bed and it's back around the next day and in, into that cycle so definitely i mean i suppose i've had a lot of uh People, you know, in leadership, coming to me where they're more at that kind of middle age time of their life, where they're really questioning: Mm -hmm. Do they want? Do they like? They've made their way up the ladder. Do they like the view when they're at the top? And is this something that they want to stay with for the next fifteen or twenty years, or whatever their work life is? But I also think that younger people are questioning because they want—you know—younger generations want work-life balance earlier than maybe we were. you know, I suppose you've started questioning it. Yes. I do think you don't have to come out of corporate to have the calm. It is it is about how can you bring the calm into your life, whether you're in corporate or whether you're in, you know, self-employed or whether you're at something entirely different. Um, we all need to be able to bring the calm into our lives and bring that calm with us in whatever it is that we do.
1: And what about I, your experience in the, in the sense thing. that, like, how do you feel now that you've spoken about the the journey that you're going to be taking into corporates and like how how have these changes since kind of 2019 affected your own life and kind of taking your own advice and everything like how how do you feel about work now is it a different perspective yeah I guess like for me this
2: the the emotional connection work this EMC work um, really brings a lot of my skills and talents together so it's not it's it's not cancelling, but uh, but it is still bringing my skills of deep presence, you know, sitting with either one to one or one to two. If there are two people in conflict, for example, um, it also brings in my training skills, because the idea here is that, you know, I will be training people within organizations in these skills. so they don't need me anymore. So they can bring this process in and and slowly create that healthy safe culture where there's emotional and psychological safety and where people have the skills to have to build that emotional connection but not just that but to have those difficult emotional conversations where there's conflict or there's disconnect um, before it really gets to that stage, because usually in companies, it by the time it gets to HR and go, it goes into the grievance procedure or goes to mediation in a company, it's usually at a very difficult stage and people's lives are being hurt and their jobs and their careers are being hurt. And, and very often what happens is people just leave because they don't see any way out. Yeah. Um, so you get people who are disengaged for a long time before that yeah. happens and so you're losing people's potential there um so this you know to come back to your question sorry really it's i feel like it's part of my journey has you know kind of it's in many ways it's all brought me to this place um i have worked with corporates in and out you know since 2004 anyway um mm-hmm. even when i'm working one to one most of my clients are coming from a corporate environment um so yeah so for me it's kind of like a, a bringing together of the different strands in in what i'm offering now
1: and this is i i actually hadn't thought about uh, mentioning this but i when in in my own kind of corporate cam journey um the conflict was with one person who ended up the, the company lost five really strong female mm. members of the team because of one person do you find that companies back the wrong horse sometimes and do you think this process of EMC will really highlight that and help to understand rather than not getting rid of anybody not blaming anybody but actually opening up a corporation's eyes to what is actually happening because you know we see it that a lot of people get promoted out of the roles to be gotten rid of or you know d- different things happening and Actually, you know, I I really appreciate you mentioning that so much talent is lost because grievances are just not dealt with properly.
2: Yeah, that I mean, I guess we're we're social animals. We're born to bond and um, we need other people. So typically, first of all, you know, the tradition has been that emotion has no place in the workplace, which is a pile of, you know, (laughs) because we're human beings, and yeah. we have emotions. And where there's conflicts, there's high emotion, yeah. and, and and often that high emotion comes out in a, in a lot of tension and a lot of you know difficult interactions. But very often, as well, certainly in the Irish context, that emotion goes underground in the workplace, and we put on the professional veneer. <clears throat> and I suppose, you know, to your question, Linda, like emotional intelligence we know like the research has been pointed towards the importance of these skills for a long time now at least 25 years every year you know in the Forbes top skills needed for leadership 10 of the out of the 20 top skills needed are what are still called the soft skills they're the emotion skills it's it's such
1: a bad reputation isn't it like soft just it's
2: Oh, and yet, you know, more and more because AI is coming in and AI can do the hard skills. It's more and more what, what we actually need in our yeah. leaders is those people skills, those soft skills. Yeah. And yet, I have not seen people being promoted because of their people skills and their emotional okay. skills. They're still yeah. being, you know, promoted for maybe the financial reasons or they're a good salesperson or they're good technical skills. And so, you know, well, they're making money or they're getting the results in that yeah. section. Never mind that they're pushing their team out. <laughs> you know, their team is dropping yeah. out like yeah.
0: um,
2: so, and it does a lot of damage and it creates a lot of turnover and creates a lot of bad feeling. And well, I think this is a familiar story for, you know, for most people listening. They can So many. I mean, the research would show that something like 86% have experienced conflict in the workplace. Even, you know, I did my own little poll on LinkedIn.
0: Yeah.
2: A large percentage had experienced it even in the last year, and the remaining percent had experienced it, you know, previous to that. But it did come up to 86%. There was only a very small percentage who weren't experiencing conflict
1: that's amazing i would say i've interviewed probably over 55 people here and obviously it's weighted towards female but at least 25 has left because of conflict okay. and not being resolved and it was the best thing for them because they've gone on to create such great environments for themselves but like it's it's so bizarre you know what it's I mean it's
2: huge, so bizarre it's huge yeah it is it's it's really and and part of it is that we don't you know like it the conflict doesn't just happen in the workplace yeah. and, and to recognize too that you know before somebody leaves a the job they are losing sleep over this they may be ill over yeah. this they may be out on sick leave yeah. which is really stress leave which is really conflict leave if we were to really pinpoint um, yes yeah. Yeah, You know, like it's so debilitating for people. It really hurts them. Mm-hmm. And the reason for this is because they care. They care about that relationship. We think, oh, that's just a rough relationship. I'm not emotionally involved, you know, of course, we are. We depend on our boss, whoever we report to, and we depend on our colleagues. And even though, you know, people may be working more remotely, we still need those connections. And when those connections go wrong, we get hurt, we struggle, we suffer, we feel the stress of that. And really, this is about giving people the skills that when they feel that disconnect happening at the early stage, preferably. Yeah. Bring them through this process. It's a very safe and structured process, which does mean that they're going into vulnerable spaces but with each other in a safe way, facilitated so that they can learn and build awareness about their own process as well as learning and understanding, you know, with empathy about the other person. Because what tends to happen. What I like about this, you know, and again, even after twenty-five years in in counselling psychology, mm. um, there's a lovely framework for understanding emotions um, as surface emotions and then softer emotions underneath, and then there's a prime the primary emotion, and that framework I find really useful because when people are angry and irritated and frustrated and stressed or shutting down, they're the surface emotions. So that's what we tend to see in the workplace. Or, you know, if you can't relate to this in the workplace, think of your partner at home when you have, you know, a disconnect. Your edges are coming off each other and you're hitting against each other in the wrong way and the prickles are up and you feel hurt and sore. Mm -hmm. Um, But they're the surface emotions. And very often we get stuck at the surface level with our emotions because we're just so angry or we're just so pissed off at somebody. Yeah. But what's really going on under that if you go into that are the more vulnerable emotions and when the thing about the surface emotions is our surface emotions tend to push people away Mm
1: -hmm. yeah that's so interesting
2: so the disconnect just deepens yeah no. And even when we're saying in an angry voice, I'm so hurt. I'm just so hurt by you, Linda. We're pushing that person away. And actually, there's a finger pointing going on there by you. You did this to me. And there's a sense of blame. And the other person then, of course, is pushed into the defensive or they may counterattack. But yeah. they may try and keep the cool and walk away. So we get into a negative cycle where both people, the intention is unconsciously really to, save this relationship because we both need this relationship so even when somebody is withdrawing that might be be, that can still be understood as an attempt to save the relationship okay i'm getting out of here because i'm just going to lose it and i don't i can't do that you know i have to still be able to talk to this person i have to still be able to work with this person so that one person withdraws another person may be kind of almost going into panic mode going they're withdrawing we have to sort this out. We have to I have to save this relationship. So they're almost chasing and demanding, we need to talk, we need to talk, we need to sort this out. Mm. And the other person, of course, feels more and more threatened and is running further away. So you have this kind of demand and pursuer, like a bit like Pac-Man, I always think of it yeah. as yeah. pursuer and the withdrawer. And they're both both of those positions may be understood as attempts to save their relationship. They yeah. both needs this relationship, but they're going about it in the wrong way because yeah. that's a very negative cycle. And Pac Man, you know, eventually one person maybe stops running and turns around and now the other person's running, or if they both come together and there's an explosion. Oh, it's the facilitation from yeah, it's to get it them out to break that negative cycle, and and what's really important there is that neither person is to blame. Mm-hmm. It's about understanding the negative cycle that they get caught in and and breaking that. So part of that is about going into and understanding the softer, more vulnerable emotions that are yeah. present and what's really feeding that.
0: Do you think that?
1: Um, from, from this is opinion more more than anything else. Do you think that? Um, the corporate environment has seen women in the sense of, you know, we look for equity and we look for equality and we look for parity. But actually, from a mental health perspective, I I appreciate that, you know, men go through mental health um, issues and everything like that. But from Mm -hmm. a hormonal perspective every month, from a fertility perspective, whether you're pregnant, whether you're postpartum, whether you cannot get pregnant and you're experiencing infertility, whether you experience pregnancy loss, whether you are going through menopause, has corporate really responded or do they appreciate rather than like a tick box exercise? Do you know what I mean? Have they really focused in on these issues in in your opinion, or is there still so much work to be done?
2: Oh, oh yes, there's a lot of work to be done. Um, And I think, I think they are trying, mm. I think. And and this is something, you know, I suppose when uh, somebody has worked primarily with female leaders for the past few years. I would say that our corporate world has been set up by, you know, we're coming out of a patriarchal society. I mean, men have been in charge for thousands of years. So. Everything, all the institutions, all the structures have been set up by and for men. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, it's really only in in my generation, even like, I mean, my my mom and her generation were forced to give up their work when they got married. I mean, unreal. So so I'm first generation working mom. And and we all know the pressures that our generation put ourselves under to, to kind of meet men at their own game in the sense of be as successful as any man and still be a mum like the mothering that we experienced, which was full time mothering. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and and baking and, and still be the look like a goddess and everything else in between, you know, so there's <laughs> that you, you can have it all. You not only but you have to have it all, otherwise you're not a success. I feel like um, you're quoting
1: Barbie
0: now. <laughs> <laughs> <I am>
2: <laughs> <still>. <laughs> we are women in what has been a patriarchal society. Whether, you know, no matter what other way, what however you paint it up, that's the reality and and so very often your your women are kind of fighting their way up to the board up to the table to sit at the table you know but the structures are not are not right and and it's almost toxic for women in some situations yeah. you know so i do think there's a lot of rethinking that has to be done for, you know from the ground up it's yeah. like we need the structures to change we need women to lead and create things that are, you know, more suited to women, rather than trying to mold ourselves into the man's world and become equal in a man's world.
1: I love, Do you know what that is? That like molding ourselves into a man's world. I was at a business lunch at the end of two thousand twenty-two, and there was two really prominent CEOs, women on the panel, and really inspiring stories. Really, and both of them lost the room of hundred and fifty women when they said, like we just got out in the golf course as well. And I just thought to myself, Are you fucking kidding me? Are you kidding me? And and
2: uh like, and sometimes women have earned a, a bad reputation for becoming more male than the men. Mm-hmm. You know um they develop a pair of balls and they cut cutthroat. Yeah. And you know have pushed down other women in an effort to get to the top and sometimes and that's some women have have had to do that almost just to get where they are yeah but that's not right and that's not representative and that doesn't help the women coming up behind them and there are so many men who are listening to this and go but I you know I love women and I try and give them a fair opportunity too and absolutely that is so needed so I really want to recognize that this is not about setting women and men up against each other it Absolutely. should never have been you know we 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 both want and you know men are really struggling in the modern world as well their yes. roles are so ill defined now like they're also feeling the pressure to be all and, and and everything and to be the amazing dad and you know doing everything yeah and still you know i mean look I, I certainly when when i landed with baby one and i'm at home and maternity leave you know, it's like, oh, my goodness, I feel like it's 1950 because yeah. my husband's going out to work every day and I'm at home with the baby and yeah. I better have some laundry done or, you know, something cooked while I'm at it because what have what have I got to show for my day at home with the baby, you know? Yeah. And and so there there is that just a natural kind of split. And it's like, we're still figuring this all out. We don't have all the answers. Mm-hmm. And certainly, you know, pushing women to succeed in a a male way isn't, isn't working. It hasn't worked. And we need to really listen and appreciate women's strengths and value them and give them value in the corporate world uh, rather than just valuing the male. So we know that there's so many issues around this. I don't probably need to, to go into so many yeah you know, yeah where if a woman displays leadership skills oh she's being bossy whereas a man is taking control and being strong you know yeah, yeah. So if if we do show the same skills there's a different name for them often and it kind yeah. of seems negative so I guess again we're coming back to that kind of emotional intelligence and I've worked with emotional intelligence I use the, the the assessments the EQI too but in a sense, I'm, I'm slow to use that phrase because people bandy that kind of phrase around emotional intelligence as if it's one thing. Whereas yeah. actually, when you use a measurement, there's at least 15 measures for emotional intelligence. You so, yeah, yeah. So, so wow. what do you mean by emotional intelligence? Um, so for me, it's more even, it, it, it's actually honing that down. So my focus is becoming more and more about the emotions. Like uh, we don't understand and don't deal well with our emotions, full stop, as human beings. We don't talk about our emotions. We don't know how to handle them when somebody else displays emotion. We, you know, um, we're still trying to manage our emotions and we tend to push away our difficult or negative emotions because we don't like them. So then we kind of cut ourselves off from them, which means that they're not under our control, actually. Mm. Um, Emotions still happen in the workplace and until emotions are learned about and understood and you know people build their own awareness around that they're it's like putting a lid on something and it comes out sideways and that is a big source of the difficulty in the workplace there's yeah. these emotions don't exist lids squished on they come out sideways and that creates the toxic culture because people aren't dealing with where the issue where the issue occurs they're dealing with it like by sniping and bitching and you know mm-hmm avoiding and everything else that goes into play that creates a toxic culture.
0: Are you feeling a little stuck, both professionally and personally? You want to create healthy daily habits, but you become overwhelmed. I have created the five habits challenge just for you. Hey, it's Linda, a.k.a. The Habit Boss, and I designed the Five Habits Challenge, the pathway to progress. These are five simple habits to hold you accountable. Give me 30 days and I will help you create five simple habits that propel you forward, both personally and professionally. Check out the Five Habits Challenge in the show notes or go to www.corporatetocam.com. And now let's get on with the show. It's it, it seems like a
1: no-brainer to me.
0: Yeah, yeah. Oh. For, for, I suppose from,
2: from my own perspective, I'm the first in... Ireland, UK, or Europe to bring this methodology, you know, so people haven't yet heard about it. So the first thing for me is. get it out there to let people know okay there is actually you know a science-backed evidence-based procedure and process that you can go through so I suppose there are two offerings really one is that where there is a difficulty in a relationship particularly you know in a senior relationship if you're talking in the senior leadership team or on a board where there you know people have to work well together or else there's you know big fallout Um, so if you can get that, you know, nip that in the bud at the, at the beginnings, that's a short term piece of work helping the people to resolve that, helping that pair to resolve mm-hmm. that issue or whoever's involved. Um, the longer term piece of work is the training coming in where I might come in, for example, you know, a half day once a month and work mm-hmm. with to make sure that people are making progress and building those skills, those um emotional connection skills really helping to connect at an emotional level understanding that the bond is what's important that's what keeps people i mean we know and again it's this is all backed by research that people stay in jobs where they're not particularly enamored by the job itself or loving it or where it's taking them but they stay in job because they love the relationships they love people that they work with they feel safe they feel secure they feel like they can be themselves and they are happy and engaged because of that so those um, those people bonds are so important that that's what people leave for and that's what people stay for so you know in this competitive world that's what we need to be focusing on, because when you feel safe, and there's, again, there's a lot of research on psychological safety, when you feel safe to be authentically you, then you're going to be more creative, more innovative, better problem solver, better collaborator, better leader, better follower, you know, all of that, that the the performance improves and you can live to your potential. And, and so for team engagement as well. So, but that's a longer process helping really and training people um in those skills and making sure that they're applying them and learning this process themselves to apply it in the workplace so that the culture becomes
1: healthy. One thing this and another question that has just um haven't spoken to I've I've uh, close friends who are kind of directors and CEOs of of large like multinationals and um one of the the biggest conflict areas at the moment is going back into the office and it affects absolutely everybody and being used as a tool for your personal development program now or being used as a tool to and what what do you think of that from it? I mean, there's so many, like we have like from boomers to Generation X to millennials to Gen Z kind of looking at it all completely differently. And, you know, younger millennials and Gen Z seen it as an absolute disparity to their character to have to go back into the office unless it's into Google or LinkedIn for free food. Um, it, you know, if you were to, Use that as an example of, of 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 some sort of conflict resolution. Where do you where do you see that going?
2: I think there's a whole lot of listening needed. People's needs need mm-hmm. to be met, mm-hmm. and the old style and, and I mean, okay when I say old when I say even pre-COVID the pre-COVID workplace was not meeting people's needs it certainly wasn't meeting women's needs it wasn't meeting family needs and that includes men you know so a lot of laws are you know constantly changing to to try and create that space so that men can be at home with when their baby is born that so that they can you know contribute and take paternity leave where needed as well all of those things are but for for all of this it's like okay we need to sit around the table and bring and hear the different voices and again that's diversity isn't it diversity of generations even hear the different needs and see how can we meet these needs rather than it being a thing of fear that we must push everything back because we that's the norm and that that worked for hundreds of years and it's going to keep working it's not it, the workplace is so rapidly changing and people have different needs and and young people won't be pushed in just because somebody says so you know um and and yes you know certainly with the housing crisis you know, sometimes young people actually need a workplace because yeah. they can't work from, a, you know, their their crowded little flat at home, kind of thing, mm-hmm. where you know, or in, in the same room as maybe two other flatmates who are also on the phone at the same time or whatever. So, so again, they're very basic needs. It's like you need a safe space to work. Um, so, there's a future in working hubs. They're starting to spring up. Yes, it's got you know when hybrid began, like that was what, 2022, really that new model. And it was very much, okay, let's see how this works. And then 2023, is like, okay, cover has gone, into the office you go, <laughs> you need to be there at least three days a week. People had changed their lives. They had moved out of the city. They No childcare. Moved no out of the country. They yeah. had, no. You know, they, like, you can't just expect them to uproot again and come back just to fit into a little box some jobs are always going to be needed to be there. And for and and for teamwork, you know, yeah, it is easier if everybody's in a room together. But there are people leading global teams yeah. very successfully. And there are companies, you know, working remotely very successfully. So yeah. let's learn and let's look at the signs. And it's too early days to say it has to be one way or it has to be the other way. We're all, you know, finding our way with this. But I think we have to embrace change and mm-hmm. listen to what people need for their well being. It wasn't working. It was a broken sick system. Yeah. Before yeah. COVID. Why are we trying to push to get back to that?
1: It oh, wasn't yes. Yeah. It's so interesting. I think the evolution of the next five years is going to be um it's 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 going to be very very interesting for, for bigger corporations anyway. From your business perspective, like what do you have a, a a mantra or a mission statement that kind of gets you buzzed every day or gets you kind of motivated for you to 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 kind of um you know push clients or you know go into corporates and speak is there something that appeals to you every day I suppose like the
2: the sense of purpose of deep kind of soul purpose that I'm always operating from is is helping people to be more connected to themselves so that <laughs> really, so that we bring more love out through ourselves, to ourselves, through ourselves, out to the world. I mean, if we look at all the conflict and all the negativity and everything that's going on, for me, like, okay, it's like, well, the opposite is just simply love. And you now mm-hmm. in a business, <laughs> I, I, it's not easy to speak about love in a business context, but that's my motivator. That's what feeds me. And and that word connection and, and even like Dr. Garshfield's. You know, name for this process is EMC, emotional connection. That word connection has always been meaningful for me. So, Mm -hmm. by being connected to yourself at a deep level, and then that connection is so important with other people as well. So, so really, you know, in relation to my new business, um, my, I I guess my mission is to give people the skills and the tools to emotionally connect, so that we can reduce conflict in the workplace and Mm -hmm. in the world. Mm -hmm. I I see like I'd have a big vision for this. I see that this these are skills that, you know, are so important. Yes, in the workplace. And that's my starting focus. But I would this is so important in relationships for premarital courses, for parenting, Mm -hmm. for everything, you know, to teach our kids this in the classroom. We all need the skills because we all need people and we're going to come in conflict and disconnection with people that that's what causes most stress and that's what people go to counseling for is because mm-hmm. of the relationship difficulties so that's as human beings where a lot of our stress and distress lies and if we can help people with give these them these skills then that's really my mission is mm-hmm. to give them the skills to to be able to repair relationships rather than relationships breaking down left
1: right and center Um, talking about like skills and what what do you bring to the your business as far as like efficiencies are concerned do you delegate do you have have you learned over the years to just focus in on what you're good at and leave everything to other people or how do you operate your business that's a good question cuz i suppose for
2: for all the years that i was counseling and doing the corporate work I considered myself a self-employed, but I didn't really think of myself as a business person. Like um, I was long enough in my practice that, you know, it was all word of mouth. I never went out and touted for business or, you know, looked for business in any Mm. way. It all happened quite organically um, over time and companies would come to me or I'd get asked. I mean, I've done radio work, I've done TV work, I've done, you know, all sorts of things. That came to me, you know, quite organically. Um, and really, it wasn't until 2020 that was like, OK, I'm now running a business and I need to put myself out there. And I started to embrace social media. And I did that by getting myself a VA, a virtual assistant. Um, so really, her title should be is marketing assistant. Um, so she has helped me and kept me accountable because there's no way I would have, you know, I have consistently put out, you know, at least three posts a week, every week for the last four years. And that's because I have her. Um shout out to Alessandra. I I (laughs) there's no way I would have done that. She comes with the you know with ideas of okay, you know, maybe you could try this, or you should be writing a newsletter every month, Mm -hmm. create an email list. So she does all my tech side as I would think Mm -hmm. of it, because I'm not a techie person. Um and so, at the, you know, back in the day in 2020, it's like, okay, ooh, there's Canva. Ooh, that looks, you know, people say that's fun. That could have been a rabbit hole. I would have spent a whole day creating maybe one yeah. post teaching myself Canva. Yeah. Or I can pay per- a person to do it who will do it in one hour. Yeah. So it's about part of that efficiency is about valuing your time and how much is my time worth per hour. And if I charge myself out, how much can I charge per hour? and do I really want to be spending all of those hours on that? You know, because actually it's a lot smaller cost to outsource that to somebody else. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so I have a right-hand woman and uh, she does all that side of things. At, at the moment, that's my only team. Um, I know, Linda, you said you use a lot of systems. I've looked into different systems. Um, I still do a lot of the stuff myself. You know, I have an accountant as well. Um, yeah. So, yeah. I, I think...
1: Anybody who does their own books, I'm like. Fair play. Yeah. But I, it's about recognizing where I, your strengths lie. I admire. I admire. But I'm like, here you go. <laughs> yeah.
2: So it's about recognizing where your strengths lie. And we, we also, through necessity, have got good at doing tasks that don't necessarily energize us. So you might be able to do something, but it, you might find it draining. So just because you can do it doesn't mean that you should do it.
1: I think that is the quote of the episode it's like just because you can do something does not mean you should do it like we can all learn so much from that yeah that like that's
2: I I certainly I know there's certain areas of the business that are not my skill set I have built up skills I have done courses in that I've learned I've practiced you know in digital marketing all that kind of stuff that I've had to really try and embrace the last few years I've got to a level where I can do that stuff, but if I spend too many hours doing that kind of stuff, I will burn out because that's not my skill set. It's yeah. it it's uh, you know, they're not my strengths. They're not my strengths, they're tasks to me. Yeah. And so yeah, it's about really working to your strengths, identifying your strengths. The strengths finder is it's, it's, the strengths profile is a great way of, of doing that. People mm-hmm. can do that, look that up themselves. strengthsprofile.com, I think it is. And um, because it helps you to recognize, OK, these are where my real strengths lie. And they're skills that I've learned and that I've got good at maybe, but that they're not energizing for me. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, I love that. I love that. What is energizing for you? What what are habits, uh, you know, non-negotiables for you every day um, personally, which probably will impact your pro- productivity professionally? What, what do you do?
2: I love my walks with the dog. I have uh, Shih Tzu Rolo who has featured in many of my photos as well. I um, love him to bits, love getting out if possible, you know, in the morning before I start work. So I don't start work at nine. Generally, I would normally start at ten in the morning, it, you know, when my day is my own kind of thing and um, get out for a walk after I have kids. So they go to school and then I will walk the dog. Um, and that sets me up for the day. I don't bring my phone. I'm not listening to podcasts. I am just present from my the best way. walks. The best yeah. walk. I'm just present. I'm out in nature, and and even just getting outdoors. So there's a couple of days a week I start work now. Like I have to be in work for seven, and and so. You know whether I go out for a walk at lunchtime or as soon as I come home in the evening, it's just getting outside. It's, it changes your state. So, mm-hmm. so that for me is yeah really important. The other piece that I have built, it took me a long time to build a meditation habit. Um, it it took me a long time to get into that as a habit. Uh, I fell out quite easily. I struggled with it. It's not like I found like I had amazing results and I was suddenly all zen or anything, but it's a very necessary habit it's been slow change for me over the years and so i i'm i'm very careful not to let that completely drop um so i meditate you know i try and meditate most mornings um first thing um uh, on about five evenings five nights a week when i go to bed as well i would listen to a relaxation or meditation to help me to fall asleep faster
1: and can you tell? To, to, I would love to know how did you develop? Because I I do appreciate you saying about the, the slow process of meditation because it isn't when you've an active brain and um an active life it's it's a very hard um. Thing yes,
2: to... Yeah, and and uh, and and I mean I've taught mindfulness. I taught it for about three years. Um, and I do, I, I have met people who just seem to take to it like a duck to water, find it really easy. I I, I don't know if I should say this out loud, but I really I'll want say it out loud. I, I, cause men I can... find it easier. You yeah. know, there's the, the thing that men often will focus on one thing. So if you tell them to focus just on their breath, maybe, maybe find it easier. Yeah. Whereas certainly as a woman, my brain is gone in a thousand different places at once. Um, What's in the fridge? What am I getting for doing? What am I doing? What am I? <laughs> well, that's it. I'm not just watching TV. I'm thinking, oh, oh, shit, I've got to take bread out for the lunches tomorrow. Do we have any ham in the
1: fridge? Is there yes. milk for the
2: breakfast? Yes. You know, oh, God, they've got a birthday party tomorrow. Now, do I even have any? I've got a present. Have I got a five? How many kids is there? Or do I have, fi- fi- do yeah. I have Do I have? Ugh.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. It lifts the whole lot. Um so maybe that's not a, a gender thing at all. But um For me, my brain is all over the place. And I have met when I'm teaching, I've met lots of people go, oh, I've tried mindfulness. It's not for me. My brain is too busy. And I'm looking at them going, that's exactly why you need it.
0: That's
2: exactly why you need it. If you have a quiet, peaceful brain, maybe you don't need to meditate every day. But if you have a busy brain like I do, you need it. It's harder to learn and to get there. But you need it because we need the skills to Not stop the traffic, but come out of giving it attention. That's the difference, really. It's not about stopping all the traffic in Times Square in there, you know. It's about stepping out of the traffic
1: altogether for moments Um, at a time. um, What would you do in the morning then? What would be the process?
2: Yeah. So, well, first of all, I did a mindfulness course. Um, I did a couple of mindfulness courses and, you know, and even one day. So that helped me to establish the practice and and helps the understanding, because I think a lot of people take up meditation just by picking up an app and trying to meditate without only any deeper understanding of what the whole approach is. So with mindfulness, the meditation you do might be 15 minutes, It might be half an hour in a day but you still have 23 and a half hours left in the day. And that's really when you're supposed to practice being mindful, <laughs> you know, remembering to be present, remembering to bring awareness to even your thoughts. So you're not in your thoughts all the time. Mm-hmm. Um so There's a whole approach really that brings kindness to yourself and to others as well. So an attitude of self-compassion really. Um So, I, I would have done all of that and I've done courses. I did a, a, a week retreat in Wales, in, in mindful self-compassion as well. Um, and all of those courses helped me to build and deepen that understanding of the importance of, of sticking with my practice. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, like for me, I'm I'm not somebody who follows all the rules. I don't get up and sit cross-legged going on. I actually, you know... If I get out of my bed and then I go to the toilet and then I go to something else and then I go to do something else and then the moment is gone and I won't have done it. So I I will go to the loo or PM, rise, P meditate. <laughs> that's that's recommendation. <laughs> rise P meditate. I will go to the loo and then I I meditate very often in my bed. Um I will either at different times in my life I've gone through periods of maybe just setting little bells on Insight Timer. That's a great free app. thousands of stuff. Thousands. Yes. Yeah. thousands of stuff free in that. Um and they have courses too, but you can set bells for silent uh meditation and the bells remind you that you're meant to be meditating in case okay. you mind yourself.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um
2: so if I'm doing fifteen minutes, I might set a bell to go off every five minutes just in case I Forget that I'm supposed to be meditating and then thinking of the shopping list or whatever. Um, so I've I've done silent meditations, or sometimes I'll listen to guided meditation for you know about 15 minutes in the morning and again, maybe about 15-20 minutes in the evening. Going last thing for me, going to sleep to help me to wind down, to help me to relax and calm myself. so I go to sleep faster.
1: I love that. Did you start with 15 minutes or did you progress to
2: 15? No, no, I I would progress. Um, So unless you find that you kind of are a natural at this, I would say my way of teaching it is, you know, make it accessible. Start with two or three minutes. Now, some people find if they set themselves three minutes that they can really focus and stay really present for three minutes and then any longer and their mind has gone off other people find that they actually need five to 10 minutes because it takes them the first few minutes to quieten their mind down and become present. And they're only starting to get the benefits of it, you know, at at 10 minutes, for example. So, you know, you've got to try and see what works for you. There are no rules. For me, it's like, do whatever works for you because doing it is still better than not doing it. And Mm -hmm. even if I think, this is really important, actually, even if you think you're crap at meditating, You can still get the benefits by just doing it.
1: I know because that's I think that's the same nearly as when you start to practice gratitude. It's like you don't have to mean what you're grateful for initially. You just have to say it. And then that's what I found when I went on my gratitude journey a few years ago. It's like just you will eventually be grateful for whatever you're grateful for. But it's just it, it is. The habitual process, isn't
2: it? Yeah, a huge amount is about establishing a habit. Like we we know from the science that it takes at least sixty six days to build a habit. So people have this notion that it might be two weeks or it might be thirty days. No, it's sixty six days. And so for me, when I was trying to establish a meditation habit, I would say, and I often say, okay, maybe I'm slow, but like give yourself a year to really establish a new habit because in that 66 days you are going to fall out of practice you're going to forget all about it and then you have to restart so how long it's for me it's like establish one good habit even every year and build keep that up and then you know add a new one to it next year
1: and it's so funny they say 66 days some people will never form habits and they have to just remind themselves to do it every single day it's so different people and where like i'm sure you've heard 21 21 days are you even talking about it? like no. what it's it's like and it depends on your your mental health as
2: well, well. well it's funny now because i think i could form a chocolate habit in three oh, days
0: you know? yeah
2: absolutely absolutely Which, uh, but i think that's with more an, show, you know, sugar addiction habits, <laughs> yeah a gratitude <laughs> pro- habit any of those kind of like more healthy habits they definitely take time and yeah. you know that's why I don't believe in, in the kind of New Year's resolution style things where people, oh, gosh, no. oh, I'm going to go to the gym and I'm going to lose weight and I'm going to change my diet and I'm going to, you know, Fair you're changing. No, that's not going to happen. Yeah. So even if you focus on one thing for that year, then you're much more likely to have success. Build that into your lifestyle yeah. and then add something on
1: next year. Yeah. And that's it. That's it. 100%. um So I, I do ask everybody about projects in the pipeline, but... EMC seems to be the big project. My is projects, there anything yeah. else along alongside that, or that's... no? That's my baby now. Okay. Yeah, that's that's um, that's my focus. Great. And what about? Um, is there anything that that people don't know about you that they they might be surprised about? Is there any? Get oh, um,
2: <laughs> well, I, I actually what came to mind was um, I thought I was reminded of just this week. I don't know what we were watching, but. Uh, I survived a hurricane, a Grade Four hurricane. Wow! <laughs> yeah, uh, I didn't think I would survive it. At one point, there was really? definitely a point during the night when, in the middle of the storm, and you know the windows had been blown out at the far end of the room, and there was panic. It was in the it was in the Caribbean, and um, yeah, there there were women chanting to high the high heavens and yeah th- there was definitely a point of when you know parts of the ceiling started coming in and there's water coming in and there's
1: like I don't think we're going to make it out of here. It's like uh, life flashing before your eyes. <laughs>
0: yeah kind of like, it?
2: No, it, it didn't it didn't flash before my eyes but there was definitely that kind of like this is serious. Okay. Yeah. This is this is really serious. Um so yeah, so that that's something that I'd almost kind of forgotten about myself when I was telling my kids about it. Yeah. Did you
0: did you
1: have anything that you're like, oh, I wish I had done that. Was there anything that
2: you kind of wanted to push? No, I that it's funny that you asked that question because uh, my my guiding light in my life is to always try and do what feels right by me. Mm-hmm. And that way I don't have regrets. No. doesn't mean that I don't make mistakes or you know say things that I shouldn't have said or whatever but in in all the decisions whether they're the little day-to-day decisions or whether they're the big decisions in my life I have to go with what feels right for me Mm -hmm. and that's all you can base it on but at least I'm not basing it on what I think somebody else wants me to do or some external force it's like I have only myself to blame something goes wrong and and usually my sense is that if you feel like you've been guided by something inside working through you, it doesn't tend to go too wrong. Um, so. No, I I, I don't feel like I have too many regrets to try and live my life um, in a way that I'm taking the opportunities that come my way and living as much as possible in alignment with my values, what's important to me. And um, and and love would be the core value there.
1: Love it, if and
2: family or with work and or to whatever I do, that that's my
0: core core value.
1: So, I mean, leading into the, the the one of the final final questions I have for you, like at a corporate camp, we're about taking that risk and you know embarking on that journey and taking our opportunities. What would you say to somebody who might have a li- a little imposter there, or might have s- something just blocking them? And what could be the opportunity of a lifetime? In a simple word, the only thing that stops us is
2: fear. And fear fear is not something you can touch. It's not a brick that's in front of you or a wall that's in front of you. It's something that we've got going on for us in ourselves. So reach out and get some help with that Mm -hmm. reach out get some help with dismantling that fear um and if it's at a manageable level feel the fear and do it anyway as the book says um so yeah if your senses if you're feeling i think the first step actually really linda is that people are often very disconnected from themselves Mm -hmm. and so they don't know what they want to don't know it, what voice is guiding them or whether it's an I want I want or whether it's like a, this is something that's right for me mm-hmm. and so we have to build that relationship with ourselves to tune in to and listen to the that inner voice of wisdom that will guide us um, there's an there's an inner wisdom in all of us I absolutely believe it you know I, as a first as a counselor and now as a coach when I'm working with somebody I don't have the answers even yeah. with 25 years ex- of experience and worked I don't know hundreds if not thousands of people I don't have the answers for you I believe you have them and my job is helping you to connect back in so that you don't need me anymore make yeah. me redundant then I know I'm successful <laughs> um, you have that inner guidance system and it's about building the relationship with that and trusting that part mm-hmm. of you that knows what's right for you and then you'll have no regrets
1: Absolutely, absolutely.
2: And um, where can people find you? Nevehannon.com. Okay. So it's hanna dot They can email me. I'm on LinkedIn, Neve Hannon. Um so if any of your listeners are listening and aren't already connected with me on LinkedIn, that would be the place where I'm most active and have, you know, the most maybe real conversations with people um i do feature on instagram and facebook as well but not as strongly um not as much interaction there linkedin would be my platform um i also have uh, a a mailing list so if people want to hear about upcoming things I, like i'm running a free webinar um uh, currently kind of maybe every month there's a, a free offering so Just go onto my website and subscribe there. I don't bombard. You won't even get weekly emails because I hate being bombarded by others. I just unsubscribe.
1: Five a day. It's like, what?
2: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, And starts out valuable. And then suddenly you're like, oh, my God, this is way too much. So, yeah, it's about once a month, maybe an extra one in the middle of the month if something else is happening. But you get you get um, that exercise, that piece that I talked about, the layers of emotions. You get an exercise for free when you get that for free, when you subscribe um, and you get to hear about, you know, whatever's upcoming free webinars and resources and so on.
1: Well, what I'll do is I'll add um, your LinkedIn and website to the show notes, oh, so really, um, the, what the guys can can look at them for where where they're listening. And what I'll, I'll add inside timer there as well. Actually, that would be yeah, yeah, for, for really people to have a look at and see. neve thank you so much for taking part in the Corporate to Camp podcast. I really appreciate it, and I think people will get so much out of what you've had to say.
2: I hope so, and I'm always delighted to have a conversation with somebody if I can be of help. So, thank you so much, Linda, for a yeah, wonderful conversation
0: today. Thank you for listening to the Corporate to CAM podcast. Please subscribe, leave a nice review, it really does make a difference. Or simply come back and listen to us next time. My name is Linda Monaghan, inspiring you to take that leap from corporate to CAM.